Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Upset Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Number one ranked UCLA Bruins have been upset by the Irish of Notre Dame. Enrique Ogunbowale wins the national championship for Notre Dame. Plus fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame. 3.7 3.7 seconds away from a spot in the national championship game. The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, yeah. how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT, WSBTRadio.com, the free WSBT Radio app. Big time budgets. Now here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner, Darren Pritchett. And we welcome you to Budweiser's weekday sports beat on your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960, WSBT on this Thursday, October the 5th of 2023. My name is Darren Pritchett, joined by Eric Hansen the publisher and editor at InsideIndieSports.com. Covers the Fighting Irish as part of the Rivals Network. Eric will be with me for the first hour of the program. We're on the air until 7 o'clock. We do not have Thursday night football tonight because the Chicago Bears are playing and we have to protect our sister station, Quality Rock 94.3 FM, which carries the Bears broadcast. So... If you would like to hear the Chicago Bears and the Washington Commanders tonight, tune in to Quality Rock 94.3 FM. So we'll stop a little Beatles action and bring you Bears action instead. All right, so there you go. Now you're set for the evening. Well, Mr. Hanson, good to be with you. How are you? I'm doing great. I would think the Bears on a Quality Rock station would be akin to disco, but maybe Maybe mm. the way they're playing, the way they're playing. Yeah. yeah, it's it makes your head spin, doesn't it? <laughs> Disco makes my head spin. Bears football <laughs> is making Bears fans head spin. But they have the top two picks in the draft right now. And I'm sure you can make smarter picks. But Caleb Williams, Marvin Harrison Jr., go have some fun next year, right? Yeah. That wouldn't that be a bad place to start. Pretty good. Although, could Caleb Williams make more in NIL money? He's going to He's going to NFL. <laughs> Although his dad has come out and said if they don't like the team that is in position to draft him, that he could stay. I don't think that'll happen. Nice to have options, but you just don't want to risk an injury. Got to get to the league and get your money. That's for sure. Well, we're going to talk plenty of football here on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat of the Notre Dame football variety. We have the advantage game for Notre Dame-Louisville coming up. We will... Check in on Eric's chat yesterday at InsideIndieSports.com. 
and talk about some of his answers. We have our Twitter question of the day up and going on my Twitter X account at 960 Sportsbeat. Six o'clock hour, Notre Dame, Louisville with a Vegas spin as Tim Murray Diehard Notre Dame football fan and host of Prime primetime show weeknights at 6 Eastern time. He'll talk about the Duke game. He'll offer his opinion on the spread for Notre Dame, Louisville, which right now the Irish are favored by six over the Cardinals. And the over-under is 54 if you're interested in those numbers. So we'll get to that and more. And he also offers a little thought on his commanders taking on the Bears tonight. And I'll have my sports wagering segment coming up later tonight. Went 4-0 last night with the sports wagering picks. So, so far this week, 10-2. So we can go to Sizzler. We've made enough money, Eric, to go to Sizzler this week. So we're going to have full bellies. But we have to figure out what's going to happen in this Notre Dame-Louisville game. And we try to do that every Thursday by breaking down various aspects of the matchup as Notre Dame takes on this week, the 25th ranked and 5-0 Louisville Cardinals who have sold out their stadium. Probably 60,000, 65,000 fans will be in attendance. Probably a lot of Notre Dame green in the stands. But Louisville has not packed their stadium since the last time that Notre Dame was there. And that's a reminder how important Notre Dame is to the ACC. Notre Dame fills a lot of stadiums that are normally not overly full on Saturday afternoons and Saturday evenings. All right, let's get started, Eric. We've got our advantage game lined up and ready to roll. And we will begin with the Louisville offense. Jeff Brom is the head coach of Louisville in his first year. Former Louisville Louisville quarterback. Finally went back to his alma mater after a run at Purdue. And Brom gets a very nice gift this year. He misses a lot of the big teams of the ACC. That helps along the way. But he's got a really good Notre Dame football team coming to his town. He knows the Notre Dame defense well. His quarterback knows the Notre Dame defense well. Jack Plummer will face Notre Dame for a third time at his third different school. Get used to it. That's going to be kind of the norm. I mean... Slovis was at USC, then he went to Pittsburgh, now he's at BYU. He just won't go away. And JT Daniels was at USC, and then he was at Georgia, and now he's at Rice. And I don't know if he was at some place in – yeah, he was in West Virginia for a year. Yes, he was. So that's four different schools. Kind of the norm. Hey, good for them. If somebody wants you, keep playing football. Keep having fun. Okay, so advantage game begins – with when the Louisville football team runs the football. And, Eric, I would have to imagine this is one of the major assets for Louisville in this game if they have a chance to win it. It should be. Um, and it's what scrambled the picture a little bit was their game against NC State last week. So Louisville was a top-five team in the country rushing, and they had run the ball against everybody that they had played. And then they played the best defense they played. Now, again, NC State's defense isn't elite, but it is difficult to figure out. And NC State held them to 20 yards on 29 carries. Oof. So what's what are they going to do against Notre Dame's run defense? I think Notre Dame, if, if they were playing a team that was 
kind of one-dimensional that didn't have a good quarterback, they could shut a team like that down. I don't know if they could 20 yards to, on 29 carries type of shutdown, but they could shut them down. But I think Louisville's good enough in every a- aspect of their offense to make it a balanced attack. And I think Louisville is going to have the advantage in this area. Okay, so check mark to Louisville when they run the football. The good news is you don't have to worry about Plummer taking off and running like you saw last week with Riley Leonard. Right. He's maybe a little bit more mobile than some people think he is, but he's also gets sacked a lot. Uh, he did last year in the Notre Dame game. He got sacked six times in the Notre Dame game. The, the one thing I'll mention, too, is um, I think I'm – we were talking about tackling yesterday, and I was looking at Notre Dame standing a week ago. They were 60th in the country. They're 85th at, after the Duke game. That was by far their lowest-ranked performance of the season, not even close. Ohio State was their best tackling game. Duke was their worst by a lot. Okay, so advantage Louisville. Yeah, they better be able to tackle the Louisville players. When the Cardinals run the football. Now we move to Plummer throwing the football against one of the best pass efficiency defenses in the country. And Plummer, when you combine Purdue and Cal against Notre Dame, he's 41 of 73 throwing the football. Yeah, he hasn't thrown interceptions against Notre Dame. He has thrown interceptions against everybody this year. I mean, he's got six, and the leading, I mean, the most in FBS is seven. However, he counteracts that his pass efficiency is in the top 20, and the reason is he gets giant yards per attempt, yards per completion. He has a lot of touchdown passes, and so that lifts him into the top 20. Um, I think he's formidable. They have a um, wide receiver that's a Georgia State transfer named uh, Jamari Thrash, who was one of the top receivers in the country last year at Georgia State. I'm sure they'd love to have him. They're having a pretty good year. Um, But I still think Notre Dame's defense, whether or not they get a lot of sacks, they're still hard to throw against. I I think that uh, number three pass efficiency defense is real. And I think Notre Dame gets the check mark here. Okay. Now again, Louisville's the best team to this point that Notre Dame has played in terms of pass offense ranking, pass efficiency ranking, scoring offense, and total offense. However, the one tough defense they played shut them down. I mean, really shut them down. Okay. Advantage Fighting Irish when Plummer throws the football Saturday night. What did you think of the pass rush against Duke? I, I feel like we have to talk about the pass rush. I know you ask a lot right. of uh, questions about the pass rush. Significant, okay, and it's going to well, be different this week. Josh Burnham will be starting yeah. over Jordan Batella, who cannot play in the first half. Right. So when I look at it and see how, you know, they didn't – I mean, Riley Leonard did more damage on planned quarterback runs and when they had adjusted in the second half than he did leaking out of the backfield. Um, He was 12 of 27 passing, which 
shows a combination of coverage and pass rush, and then when Notre Dame needed to have it at the end of the game, they got it with uh, Howard Cross busting up the middle. Yeah. Um, Riley, Riley Mills and Howard Cross both had really good games. Javante Jean-Baptiste is really coming on. Really, that Viper position needs to be more productive. I think once they get the production from there, you know, do they – does Notre Dame blitz a little bit more? I mean, again, my thought is if you are, you need to identify the people that can get to the quarterback. If you're just, you know, getting picked up by a running back all the time, then you're just vacating a spot in the defense. Yep. And it doesn't really do you much good. So, I still – I mean, I still think the bottom line is Notre Dame is the number 11 defense in the country and number 14 in scoring. That says something. But if you're looking for ways to improve, better tackling, and certainly better pass rush. Okay, Eric Hansen, Darren Pritchett with you. The Advantage game kicking off Budweiser's weekday sports beat tonight on WSBT Radio. And in case people forgot, Botello can't play in the first half due to the targeting call in the second half against Louisville and yes targeting can be called when you use the crown of your helmet on any part of the offensive player's body not just the helmet as we found out you can hit him in the hip with the crown of your helmet right and it's targeting hip targeting somebody called it that's right okay let's move to the Irish offense taking on a Louisville defense 117th in the country in total defense giving up over 420 yards per game And, Eric, let's start with Notre Dame running the football. We had a discussion last night how the running game was truly affected by the injuries at wide receiver. And Duke, for the lack of a better phrase, just not scared of the receivers the Irish had out there. They sat on the Notre Dame running game pretty well, and that kept the game tight. This time around, Eric, I'm not sure Louisville's going to have those answers. First off, we found out today that the receiving core is a whole lot healthier. Right. So am I doing the running first, right, though? Yeah, and I'll just say it's Greathouse and Thomas are both back. Right. So I'm just saying that affected the running game, which leads to our running game conversation. I I wanted to make sure (laughs) I didn't get a left turn there that I Okay. Okay. So Notre Dame is 33rd in rushing offense. Louisville is 33rd in rushing defense. But, again, the Mm -hmm. context of who Louisville has played to this point the it, defensively their numbers I mean they're 37th total defense but the one team that was a better than average offense Georgia Tech put up 34 points against them and really they haven't played a very good offense they played Indiana and Boston College Murray State and NC State who benched Brennan Armstrong after that game and threw the worst interception I've seen in a long time <laughs> to lose that game. So I'm going to go with Notre Dame's run game here. I think what you mentioned, the presence of being able to be a little bit more balanced on offense is going to open things up in the running game. I think you're going to see a wide variety of running back uses by the Irish in this game. I think we're, we're Jeremiah Love is ascending to a higher spot. They put what Notre Dame does on their official depth chart, they will list Audric Estime first, then Jabron Payne second, and then or, or, or after the other three guys. Well, I think Jeremiah Love has moved up to that two spot. He's think not so. an or. Yeah. 
Jabron Payne has his role in the he offense. Does. And he does it very well. I think the guy that it gets kind of pushed out a little bit in that is Jadarian Price because he does a lot of the same jobs that Jeremiah Love does. And I also think they're not going to try to push him this year as he's recovering from that Achilles injury, even though he's 100%. You, I think being out a whole year, you wear down a little bit faster. And Devin Ford's kind of stuck behind Jabron Payne for some of those correct pass protection duties. And Payne's really good in short yardage. Yeah. Okay, so the Irish get the check mark when they run the football. Now, our 24-year-old quarterback, Sam Hartman, is going to toss the football around the field. How is that going to go? Well, he's facing a 23-year-old quarterback, so he's got somebody in his age group. Yeah. <laughs> um, the AARP game. Yeah, so Notre Dame is 44th in pass offense, but 12th in pass efficiency as a team. I think Hartman is individually 11th or at least going into the week he was. You're starting to get these midweek games, and it changes the statistics during the week. Louisville was 46th in pass efficiency defense, but again, Who's the quarterback that they've played that scares you to this point? I think with those two wide receivers back, with Eli Reardon making his debut, with Mitchell Evans doing his best Michael Mayer imitation, (laughs) I think Notre Dame's pass offense gets going again. Not a big advantage here. Louisville's defensive backs are pretty good, and they have a good pass rush, but I still give Notre Dame the check mark here. Okay. Four of our six categories in the books. Let's move along to special teams. And the Irish were a little more special last week in this area. They were a little bit more special. I I thought Duke would have the advantage in that game, and they didn't. Uh, Notre Dame was actually the better special teams team in the Duke game. Um, even with the field goals, Notre Dame only missed one. The Duke kicker missed two out of two. Uh, you look at Louisville, and there's not a lot to like about their special teams, especially their coverage and net punting. They're struggling, so I'll give Notre Dame the check mark here. And allegedly, they'll get an important special teams player back in Nolan Ziegler. He'll make his 2023 debut. Awesome. You know, Marcus Freeman said, we'll see how the game's going. But in talking to Marty Biaggi on Tuesday night, the special teams coordinator, He's pretty excited. He had plans for Nolan. You know, he's like, everybody else is kind of wearing down. You get this fresh guy with a big <laughs> body that can block punts, rush punts, uh, that can make tackles. So he's pretty excited. As we found out on Monday, Marcus Freeman is going to limit his talking to Chris Tyree before a punt <laughs> return. Told him to be aggressive. And so Chris Tyree goes running forward, makes a diving attempt at a punt, muffs it fortunately. The Irish recovered it, and Marcus said, I'm going to stay a little more quiet this time. <laughs> that was funny. That was good. Good good line from Marcus. Okay, we end with intangibles, which Eric can take this whatever direction he wants to go. And maybe part of the intangibles is decision-making late in games. Marcus has had a lot to think about the last two weeks. Right. So... Um... I'm going to give Louisville the check mark here, and here's why. I mean, Notre Dame comes in, and they've won more than 30 games in a row in ACC competition. They're going for the 
first, I believe. They've won 15 on the road in that, um, in true road games in the regular season competition against ACC teams. Louisville has is 5-0 for the first time since 2013. They've got a seven-game home winning streak. They're supposed to set an attendance record in their 60,800-seat stadium. You know, this is their kind of Super Bowl game. This is the game that they're getting up for the fever pitch. I think Notre Dame has to be measured as it goes through these four ranked teams in a row. They have USC next week. Not saying that you shouldn't get up for Louisville, but I do think it's it's easier for Louisville to get themselves into a frenzy for this game knowing that they don't have a lot of other games on the schedule like this and certainly not consecutively. So I give Louisville the atmosphere down there will be really interesting. Okay, so in the advantage game, Eric believes Louisville has the advantage when they run the football and intangibles. And then Notre Dame has the advantage when Louisville throws it, Notre Dame runs it, Notre Dame throws it, and special teams. Have you made your score prediction yet for this matchup? I did, and it was funny because I came up with the same score prediction I had last week, which was not far off in the margin, but too high scoring. Um, And I'm going to go with Notre Dame 30 and Louisville 21 again. And maybe this time it'll be right, but... I figure as much as Marcus wants to kick field goals, he'll get two field goals. He'll get three field goals in that mix there with 30 points, and he'll get three touchdowns. I was trying to think back to last year and his first year. Did he have any big late-game decisions he had to make? Because, man, they are coming fast and furious this year. I think he was off the hook last year for you the most part. You mean as far as kicking a field goal versus a touchdown? Just late game decisions. Or, like for example, in yeah, the Ohio State was, game, he was, had to make the decision, what do I do with only 10 men on the field? And last right. week, take a knee or center the football. There was a lot going on. Right. You think about, you know, the Clemson game was such a blowout, you know, and um, the Ohio State game, I think they made the decisions going into the game that were the most important, trying to shorten that game and slow it down. You know, I mean, really the Marshall and the Stanford losses were, I mean, yeah, they're on Marcus because he's a head coach, but I mean, the coordinators had really rough games in both of those games. And I don't know that there was anything late that they could have done. I think Audric fumbled late in the Stanford game. Um, Tyler Buckner got hurt in the Marshall game. So, yeah, I can't remember a lot of decisions that had to be, although it got pretty tight in the Navy game at the end of it. Oh, my gosh. No question. Okay, so Eric takes the Irish 30-21 over Louisville. So, for those that care, that is Notre Dame covering the spread and under the total of 54. And okay. they covered the spread last week. Yes, they did. Thanks to Audric Estime. Thanks to, to Audric Estime and the, the two-point two conversion. conversion. That's exactly right. If Marcus had his way, Notre Dame wouldn't have covered. But Audric Estime put the Superman outfit on and, and saved the day plus that two-point conversion. All right. He's Eric Hansen, the publisher and editor at InsideIndieSports.com. 
I'm Darren Pritchett. Halfway through the 6 o'clock hour, Eric hosts a chat at InsideIndieSports.com every Wednesday. We always select some questions, and we talk Notre Dame football in a chat recap next on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Mostly cloudy with scattered rain on Saturday, chilly highs in the mid-50s, and a slight chance of rain on Sunday with a high again of 55. I'm WSBT 22 meteorologist Abby Wepler. Notre Dame football coverage continues now. Gives to Estime. He leaps at the one and goes over the strike. Touchdown, Notre Dame. Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Hartman keeps it, runs it up the middle, bulldozes it to the end zone, and he's in. On Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Low snap, hands off inside to Estime. 10-5. He'll get there. Touchdown, Notre Dame. We're back on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat, 536 on this Thursday evening, and we are being brought to you by Budweiser, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company in South Bend. Football fans, this Bud's for you. By Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, now with three locations, serving Michiana's most favorite pizza since 1978. Bethel University's Adult and Graduate Studies. Visit BethelUniversity.edu slash solid ground for details. Legacy Heating and Air. Ask how you can get free maintenance for life and save like a champion today. The Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger is a story we can end. Find out how at FeedIndiana.org. Midland Engineering Company, beginning their second century of quality roofing experience, and the Mishawaka Education Foundation, granting a better future. Mr. Hansen, the gentleman yes. right in front of me, the publisher and editor at InsideIndieSports.com, and for our radio listeners, Eric has, once again, important news for you. Yes, we have a special for our WSBT listeners, and you only need to be able to spell ND Radio. So go to, if you'd like a free month of all our premium coverage of Inside ND Sports, go to InsideNDSports.com. Click on the subscribe button. You'll see pricing. You'll say, aha, I have this promo code that I'm going to enter, and the promo code is ND Radio. You get a free month, and after the month, you can say, nah. Or you could say, this is wonderful. I What have I been doing with my life to this point yeah. that I've been missing this? Yeah. Many and, have said And that. you can correct. You can self-correct. I mean, the last time Eric went into Notre Dame Stadium before coming on Game Day Sports Beat, <laughs> ran into someone, and they bought a subscription. That was true. How about that? It was awesome. That is awesome. So, InsideIndieSports.com, go to the subscribe tab and type in, doesn't have to be capitalized, ND Radio and enjoy their work for a month. And by golly, I bet you you'll continue on from there. Sounds so great. Please at least check it out at the very least. Okay. So, every Wednesday, Eric hosts a chat 
and Irish fans across the world can offer their questions and sometimes their thoughts without questions to Eric. And have you rescinded the no bare feet rule or is that back in place? Oh, no, it's back in place because it was until they lost a game. So after the Ohio State game, everybody had to wear shoes. And after beating Duke, the no whining rule is back in place. The no whining rule is back in place. People tested it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, we have to start with Ray from East Wenatchee, Washington. How about that? What has been the most surprising thing about the team this year from your perspective? You know, had I think the surprises for me more came during training camp. Having seen them so often, I was less surprised. I had more expectations about, for example, Jeremiah Love emerging and Jaden Greathouse and so forth. I, I think as a team, and I'm going with pleasant surprises, I would say... Jared Parker's in-game adjustments. I thought there would be more of a learning curve for him. And I know coming off the Duke game, people are like, what are you talking about? (laughs) But um, I think when we look at the – when Notre Dame was at full strength and look at the season as a whole, he's done a really good job during the game, not really having to wait to halftime and being able to out X and O who he's been going against. Um, From an individual standpoint – was harder for me to come up with people because, again, I saw so much training camp. So I went with Jabron Payne, Rico Flores Jr., Cooper Flanagan, who is a freshman tight end, just because he's graded out so high. And then a guy that plays a lot, Javante Jean-Baptiste. I didn't know what to think about him coming in. You know, I knew that he was a raw athlete, and I thought, well, if he couldn't break into the Ohio State rotation, is he going to break in here? Um, and is he going to be kind of a one-dimensional guy? And when we saw him in the spring, we didn't see a lot of him. Right. He didn't play in the spring game, and then during training camp, you'd see flashes, but not enough to get you real excited about it. And he was he went in the season really in a timeshare with Donna Osafa Mensa that has skewed in JJB's um Favor, And then I, I saw Dane Brugler from The Athletic today was talking about 10 transfers that who have really helped their draft stock, and JJB was one of them. Okay. So um, he's impressed me and surprised me. Let me just throw a name out to you, and it probably didn't take you long to understand the Irish have something, but at from the standpoint of just pre- workouts, not seeing the player, but Christian Gray, did he, was he better than you anticipated? That's what I, that's what I want to ask. I had high expectations of him. I know the rivals national guys liked him a lot. I had a chance to talk to him in the spring before he came to Notre Dame and he blew me away. I mean, from a a maturity standpoint, a mental standpoint, I mean, I was like, will you be my dad? I mean, I was <laughs> I was way more immature at 17, 18 years old. But, again, I knew people in St. Louis and our national guys, Clint Cosgrove, who's out of Chicago, raved about Christian Gray. So I had pretty high expectations. And when he came in, I went, yep, yeah, that's, that's the guy that they're talking about. Now, now, 
they're not always right. They thought Jaden Greathouse was a guy that might have topped out in high school, that he played on a great high school team, was in a very sophisticated college-type offense, had great work habits, but would that all translate? Would he have enough speed? Would he have enough savvy when he got to the college level? And and that's a guy that maybe, even though he was a top 150 prospect, I think they missed on him a little bit. Rico, a little bit underrated too. Yeah. You were asked most surprising. I'm going to I'm going to tweak that just a little bit and say someone that just has really impressed me. I had a feeling he was going to be good, but he's better than I anticipated this year. Is Xavier Watts? He has yeah. been a terrific <laughs> playmaker. I thought he'd be good, but he's been really, really good. Yeah, Xavier. I've been the Xavier Watts present fan club president okay. for a while. But there are other people that s- surprised me. That's one I went out on a okay. limb about. But you know what? I was a big Antonio Carter fan, and he hasn't done much yeah. yet. And so you're not – I mean, at, at the same position, you know, you're not always right. But Watts – I mean, when he made the decision to be a safety and just talking to the coaches about why they wouldn't keep him at a receiver when they really needed those bodies led me to believe this guy – must really be good. I mean, he was a great tackler. I thought if he can learn to play coverage above average and just his whole story with his dad, yeah, you know, yeah. is just his dad's in a wheelchair and the strength he gains from that experience. Some people might not gain that. That's what he pulls from it. You just thought this guy's mentally tough. I, I'm pushing my chips in on him. Okay. Next up. I can relate to this because I can't spit out any words today because I have a sleepy eye. Kevin from Sleepy Eye, Minnesota. I'm tired too, Kevin. And that's Kevin. a real town. Yeah. I thought he was messing with me at first. They got to play great hockey there or something. Sleepy Eye, Minnesota. He goes, Eric, let's talk Eli Raritan. What should we expect? Can he make an impact? And, of course, officially today, Marcus Freeman said he's a go. Yeah, so we are in game seven of the season and Eli was probably 100% by the start of the season. So what's been this seven weeks? What what are we getting that we wouldn't have gotten had Eli rushed himself back? I think you're getting a guy that's really mentally locked in now. I think that was the biggest thing of having the same ACL tear and the same knee 10 months apart, I think, you know, when he, I remember talking to him after the when he was coming back from the first one when he was still in high school, and he was way ahead of schedule and he was doing lots of things that he wasn't supposed to be doing yet. Yeah, and I think he just took it easy. I still think in these first couple games, Louisville and USC, we'll probably see him more as a blocker, and I wouldn't expect a lot of receptions or you know I don't expect him to do Mitchell Evans things right away. I think he has that in him. Now, after the bye week and he's kind of gotten his feet are under him, I think in the last four games of the season, I would expect to see more. Dave from D.C. This is a great question. The football program put out a fantastic and insightful video that showed the communication between offensive staff during the final series against Duke. Dave's question is, how on God's green earth (laughs) – Does the end of the Ohio State game happen if this sort of system is in place with the defensive staff? And might I add, 
if we could get a copy of the conversations for those final two offensive plays for Ohio State, I'd love to know what the defensive coaches were talking about and when they realized they had 10 on the field, what some of the comments were. That right. that audio is golden. Go ahead. No pun intended? Yes. Okay. So <laughs> what was what was the most I mean, I, I what I told Dave was I can only say inexcusable and inexplicable so many times and then we've got to move on to something else and and that's really what we got to do at this point but turning back to that and reexamining it just before we move on that was after a timeout it wasn't it wasn't you know here you know a frantic i mean i i could see in the frantic seconds maybe somebody wasn't sure what defense they are in for example i remember there was a critical um defensive series against Ohio State and the Fiesta Bowl at the end of the 2005 season. And I was talking to Tommy Zibikowski and Chinanam Adukwe about this, and they said all four defensive backs got the wrong, got a different interpretation of what defense they were, and they were in four different defenses. And, and Ohio oh. State scored on the play. So it's, it's happened before just – not maybe with the math, but it's happened in terms of misunderstandings. But when you've called a timeout to to get very specific about it, that's where you just your head hurts thinking about how that could have happened. Um, and so they really don't have room for it to happen again. But uh, at this point, Marcus isn't going to spill the tea. I mean, and I think that's the right thing to do is – keep it in-house, not throw somebody under the bus. I, I think you can deduct what happened, but uh, I th- I think the what you said, the conversations afterward may have been more interesting. Mm, that would have been a heck of a video. 20 years from now, if we're playing Word Association, name this Notre Dame game. <laughs> you get three clues. The first one is, where's Audric? 10 on the field, rush three. You're going to know what game that is, right? right. <laughs> Ohio State. Right. And then from the Duke game, center the ball, take a knee, fourth and 16, run, Sam, run. That'll always right. be the Duke game. Yeah, and I think you mentioned yesterday you weren't against drop eight if it was executed right. Yes. The one thing that I really didn't like about it, and we had talked about this before, was when you see the camera angle from behind McCord, the clear, yes. clear window he had, even with a fourth defender, there would have been at least he would have had to maybe step one way or another or didn't have a clear view or a clear shot. So, I mean, Al tried everything on that final drive. Yeah. Yep. Tried blitzing on those key moments, and Ohio State beat him. Hey, as long as it's not the double safety blitz from 2022. Amen to that. All right, Frank from... Royce City, Texas. Do you think Notre Dame will have success running the ball against Louisville? Well, I picked them in the advantage game, yep. so I would say yes. And the reason, again, being I think the offensive line will have a better game, and I also think having the offensive balance. Now, we should bring up that Sam Hartman had the worst game of his career in that stadium last year. Wake Forest goes into Louisville as a top 10 team 
lost 48 to 21. They committed eight turnovers, and Sam had six of them. Mm. He had three interceptions and three lost fumbles. He was sacked four times. But he has been very good in these scenarios in going back to places where his team lost or he didn't have a good game or both. And so far he's been able to reverse that at NC State and Duke. So we'll see if he can do it at Louisville. Bill from Windsor, Colorado, got bonus points because he said, I just signed up with Rivals. I did so because I discovered that Tyler and you were with Rivals. So how about that? That's one way to get your question into the chat. <laughs> that's that's absolutely. He could have asked. Um, what's your favorite type of spaghetti? What, what's yeah, what's uh, Marcus's favorite color? That would have made it into the chat. How do you rate the performance of the Irish offensive line for the season through the Duke game? So I think you have to look at the context of who you're playing. So if they had played the teams in different order, let's say they open with Ohio State and Duke and then play the next four teams, um, then I think you'd say, wow, have they improved? I think they have improved. I think the interior offensive line, for reasons that we've gone over yesterday and a little bit today, um, had a tougher day. But – the tackles have been great all season, especially Joe All, But I think they are a, a better offensive line than they were against Navy and Tennessee State, even though the context of playing the best two defenses on the schedule to date and maybe on your whole schedule for the year have come up in these last two games. Let's do one more. Steve from St. Louis. Before the season, where did you think Sam Hartman would go in the NFL draft? After six games, where do you see him now? Well, again, I go by the analysts, and I try to touch base with them from time to time and read their stories. And he was kind of looked upon as a either a late day three pick, meaning seventh round, or uh, undrafted free agent that would get a good look in a camp. And I think he's played himself into the draft now. He's a day three guy with a possibility of moving up because, again, he's in an offense that they can see more how that would translate. Wake Forest's offense really had very little translation to what he would do as a pro quarterback. Yep. You know, Getting under center more, the footwork that he needs to show uh, with a pro-style offense, throwing to the tight ends and um, and just not getting sacked and not having turnovers. I mean, he's one of the few draft-eligible quarterbacks in all of college football that has zero interceptions through half of the season. So, I mean, he's, he's proving things. I think there's always going to be people that question a little bit, you know, his size. A lot of times when you take a quarterback of that size, they have ridiculous athleticism beyond that. Maybe he earned some uh, points with his fourth and 16 run. but uh, Nobody thought Brock Purdy yeah. was going to be a pro prospect. Final pick yeah. of the draft, and now look. Yeah. Well, I, I think Sam Hartman will be on somebody's roster next year. It's just how high will he, how high of a pick will he be? And again, I mean, people are going to be watching these games, and they're going to be watching the Clemson game and see how he does. Um and that's going to push him up or keep him where he is right now, which is the later rounds. But, again, he's already improved. And putting the cart ahead of the horse, 
When you think about postseason football, I think Sam plays. He has a lot to gain by playing a really good opponent in a bowl or playoff game. Yeah, I know. It's interesting. I don't know if you saw the story today. Mm -mm. The Duke's Mayo Bowl has tapped into NIL, where they're going to try to incentivize kids to play in that game by getting them NIL deals. Not surprised. So, yeah, so I think it's it, it'll, it's interesting. You know, I mean, certainly if you're in a playoff or a New Year's Six game, you don't have as much chance of your players sitting out. But the Duke-Mayo game, yeah, I mean, who wants a free jar of mayonnaise? But if you've got some cash or some something else. A PS5. But, yeah, PS5. <laughs> then you're like, well, you know, maybe it's not a meaningless yeah. game. Maybe a subscription to InsideIndieSports.com. Right. <laughs> there you go. All right, 5.55 is our time. You can read the entire transcript at InsideIndieSports.com, and you can participate next Wednesday at noon at InsideIndieSports.com. Quick break, Twitter question of the day next on WSBT. This is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. And our Twitter X question of the day yesterday was as followed. The Irish are 5-1 and one entering this week's game at Louisville. But what will Notre Dame's record be at the end of the year? 11-1, 10-2, 9-3, or would it be 8-4 or worse? Remind our listeners, Eric, I know you voted yesterday, but... How did you attack this question? I stuck with my preseason prediction of 10 and 2. Okay, very good. But I'm open to other possibilities. Okay. I'm sticking with 10 and 2. And according to our voters, not one person voted 8 and 4 or worse, which I think is wise. Third place in the voting, 14%, went with 9 and 3. Second in the voting at 38% was 11 and 1. And so the majority, Eric and I, went with 10 and 2. 49% believe the Irish will win every game but one the rest of the way. We thank you for voting. Greatly appreciate it. And now today's question. How do you expect the Notre Dame-Louisville game to play out? You have three choices. Number one, Notre Dame wins by one to nine points. Choice number two, Notre Dame wins by 10 or more points. Or number three, the Louisville Cardinals pull off the upset and beat the Fighting Irish. All right, Eric, I know your score prediction, so I'm imagining you're going to go Notre Dame wins by one to nine. That's what I want. All right, you have 30 to 21 as your final score. Well, we'd love to get your insight. Go to Twitter X and my Twitter account at 960 Sportsbeat and vote on this question. Results tomorrow and our traditional Friday Twitter question of the day will be pick the right parlay for the Notre Dame Louisville game. We'll have that on tomorrow's program. Okay, as we wrap up this hour, we change themes and we go to everything that you need to know that will be coming up on Eric's website, InsideIndieSports.com. Well, we will start with today's uh, Notre Dame football notebook. We had Marcus Freeman on Zoom today. Um, the, I led with 
you know, is Ben Morrison having an All-American type season, even though he doesn't have big numbers? Uh, we also talked about how you improve tackling in the middle of the season <laughs> and all the updates in terms of the Viper rotation, who's playing, who's coming back. Tyler's got a story, uh, opponent outlook, what to expect from Louisville. He has a great feature on Jeremiah Love. Charleston has, of course, a basketball recruiting story, what? men's basketball recruiting story, an offer for Malachi Moreno and a visit to Notre Dame. And these, there's been a lot of really positive feedback from the recruits who have come in to visit at Notre Dame. So it'll be interesting to see how many they continue to get commitments from. We'll be starting that season very soon. And of course, much, much more. Of course, yes. Basketball's right around the corner. Remember when it used to start around Thanksgiving? <laughs> yeah. Gosh. Now we're starting exhibition games in October. And speaking of things starting, just a couple of days away from the Irish hockey opener against Clarkson. Now, see, you should have asked me because I knew it was Clarkson. See, I would have been able to answer a hockey question for once. Clarkson. We, we beat Clarkson in the NCAA tournament a couple of years ago. I wouldn't know what state Clarkson is in, so I'm going to guess and say New York State. Yes, it is in Potsdam, New York. All right. P-O-T-S-D-A-M. I'm pretty proud of myself on that. I am your Potsdam tour guide. If you have any Potsdam questions, remember that scene from Vegas Vacation? We're at the Hoover Dam. I am your damn tour guide. If you have any damn questions, please ask them now. All right. It is 6.04. Eric, you got to go. I appreciate you stopping by and joining me for an hour, and we'll talk to you on game day sports beat Saturday starting at 4 o'clock. Sounds great. And, again, check out his website, InsideIndieSports.com. When you go there, hit subscribe, and then type in Indie Radio for a great opportunity to become a new member of InsideIndieSports.com. You get a month for free, just like that. All right, we'll take a timeout. How does Las Vegas look at Notre Dame-Louisville? The Irish by six? Should that be enticing? By golly, we've got the guy with all the answers coming up next. VEASAN host Tim Murray is on the way, including some Commanders-Bears conversation on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. You can listen to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat live or on demand with our free WSBT radio app. Just search WSBT radio in the App Store and Google Play. Now, back to local sports talk on Sports Beat with your host, Darren Pritchett. And we keep the Fighting Hours football conversation going by welcoming back to the program our weekly guest, Tim Murray, the host of the primetime show on VEASAN, weeknights at 6 Eastern time. You can get VEASAN on YouTube TV and the audio presentation at VSIN.com. And Tim, of course, a diehard Notre Dame football fan who joins us from Las Vegas on this Thursday. Tim, how are you today? I'm great, Darren. A lot better than it could potentially have been uh, <laughs> based off of Saturday night. But uh, we got through. They got through. I just a guy watching on my couch. But, uh, no, the sun is shining here in Las Vegas and uh, ready for another uh, primetime game. You started the season, I remember, on the program talking about your concerns about 
the wide receiver position. And against Duke, with no Jaden Greathouse and no Jaden Thomas, they were down to basically three wide receivers, Tim. And with Duke really not respecting that group of Notre Dame wide receivers, they honed in on the running game, and it was a whole lot more difficult game offensively than I imagined. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, you think about how it all unfolded. Thank goodness for Mitchell Evans and, and the way that he's been playing so far this year, at least these past couple of games, he's been fantastic. Uh, the defense, look, you can only ask so much from them. I mean, they really, that first half, were dominant. You and I were texting back and forth about how great that defensive line worked and, and how much havoc they were wreaking. So it is a, a huge sigh of relief that Great House and Thomas are going to be back. And uh, I, I do think that opens up some things for Notre Dame come Saturday night down in Louisville where you've got some reliable targets out there. You can maybe get a guy to a little bit of a blow as opposed to last Saturday where it felt like they had to be on the field the entire game. So I expect some more creativity. And, you know, I'm curious. I, I haven't talked to you about this, but I kind of feel like 2019 Virginia Tech just happened, right? Notre Dame gets their guts ripped out against Michigan in much mm -hmm. different fashion than it was two weeks ago. They get that miracle touchdown with the Ian Book, you know, scramble. <laughs> he, he puts the finger on the, on the face mask. And then after that, they kind of turned it on. Obviously, USC is looming in the wings, and, and they did not pose that type of threat in 2019. But I kind of feel like that's the vibe I'm picking up right now. A big sigh of relief. You went to Duke. You got punched in the mouth, and you found a way to win, something you weren't able to do the week before. So I'm cautiously optimistic going into Saturday night. I think I've been pretty spot on, Darren, yeah. uh, how my feel has been these past couple of weeks. You know, I really thought last week was a dead-under game, and, and ultimately that was the case. I haven't gotten to the window yet on this one, but uh, I do kind of like the Irish. My, my only worry is, it's just that gas tank. Where are yes. they at? Because it's a lot to continue to ask of these young men each and every week. No bye week. Third straight primetime game. I'm with you. That's the exact conversation we had on the program last night. My biggest concern is fatigue, not the opponent this week. I think Notre Dame matches up really well. And I just hope after the Dublin trip and playing all these weeks in a row, and in particular, Tim, I tell you what, Duke was more physical than Ohio State, in my opinion. So they've had yeah. two physically, mentally draining back-to-back -back weeks. So if this Louisville game was coming off a bye, I would be thinking this is going to be a blowout, even though Louisville's a ranked team, and I'm not too sure they're really one of the best 25 teams. But because of this fatigue factor possibility and just game after game. That's my biggest concern in this contest. No, I think you're hundred percent accurate. I mean, the schedule, I would love to kind of take an autopsy on, on how this schedule got created where you have eight straight games to start the year, including a trip to Dublin. And I know they didn't want to use a bye week week one. And that's why Tennessee state was inserted in there. And I know that the ACC kind of fit the games uh, where they see fit. So that's why maybe Duke and Louisville are here as opposed to a bye week leading into the USC game. Um, but no, I think that's the biggest thing here is the physicality of this Notre Dame team, how they want to play. Does it, does it stand up? And, you know, personally, and look, 
you're much more piped in than I am. You know, this is my one true indulgence where I sit back <laughs> as a fan and try to kind of take it all in. But my mindset is this. Thinking back to the Ohio State game, Darren, I thought the middle of the offensive line was spectacular. I yes. thought they really stood up to the call. And then they were not last week. And I do wonder if this is kind of one of those weeks where, you know, that coaching staff comes in and says, hey, great, great win, guys. Great resolve. We got to clean this up. You know, and it, it seems to when, you know, any, in any sport, right? when you have a win criticism and critique kind of is a little softer landing spot than when you lost and you're dejected and you're just getting yelled at, you know? So I wonder if we see a better performance from the interior of the line Saturday night, because there's no doubt they lost that matchup uh, to Duke on Saturday, this past Saturday. And with Duke really sitting on the running game, their job was more difficult. And I just wonder, I don't want to make the game of football simplistic, but if Merriweather catches that deep ball early in the ball game, that might have caused Mike Elko to say, you know what, i got to be careful about Hartman and the deep ball. And maybe they back off the running game, and then all of a sudden the offensive line's night could have been a whole lot easier. Again, don't want to say it's one play, but you nail one of those deep balls early on, that could change Duke's thinking right away. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, the crossing route late in the, uh, if I remember correctly, was that late second quarter uh, where it just kind of went through his hands a little behind him, but certainly think that yep. could have been a play to be made. And, and yeah, you could do that with so many things. I'm sure Duke fans are thinking the same thing with the missed field goals, but I think Notre Dame really had opportunities in that first half to, to, to step on their throats and they, they were unable to do so. Look, Duke's an incredibly well-coached team. They were able to run away from their weakness on the left side uh, utilize Riley Leonard a little bit more. And, you know, when the offense is struggling, it's hard on the defense. The defense really did everything possible to win that game. And there were a couple, you know, letdowns. You know, once again, too, I mean, you know, not to look too back on a game that ultimately Notre Dame won. I mean, the, the you know, the punt that goes over the pylon that's ruled out yeah. at the one-yard line and then inexplicably – you know, the, you know, they review it, and then the broadcast says, uh, you're not allowed to review that. And it's like, well, what are we doing? You know, that, that is a critical 19 yards. What's that possession like for Duke? Does Notre Dame get a short field? But, look, if ifs and buts were candy and nuts, the world would be a better place. <laughs> Unfortunately, Notre Dame was able to, uh, to get the victory regardless. And, you know, we have one of the more, I mean, you know, that would be a fun conversation, you know, come the end of the year, and who knows how this season ends, Darren, but – to think about that fourth and 16 play and, and where it stacks up and some of the iconic plays, these, let's just say last 20 years, you know, this, this century, you know, where does that play stack up? You know, you think of the Samarja catch yep. against UCLA or, you know, th that one comes to mind or, you know, a handful of those other plays, the, the Will Fuller catch against Virginia. I mean, that was one of the most iconic, uh, you know, manhood, as I leave out some other words that we could use there, type of plays uh, from a Notre Dame player in a long, long time. Yeah, and if I can throw defense in, Manti Teo's goal line stand against Stanford. I just, oh, yeah. I'll never, yep. ever forget that. He's Tim Murray from VEASAN. Is it – okay, let me, let me phrase it this way. Marcus Freeman of the Irish, it looked like they were playing to center the football on the play in which Audric Estime scored a touchdown. So they were basically – relying on a 48-yard field goal. Then after the game, Marcus said, Estime should have taken a knee at the one-yard line. 
So with SMA scoring and the two-point conversion happening, all of a sudden, Notre Dame covered. The books, which would they have been rooting for? Estimate to take a knee or the Irish kick a field goal or estimate to go ahead and score the touchdown and get the two-point conversion? Estimate to take a knee for sure. Uh, they they would have loved to have Duke cover. Uh, I don't know for sure, but just the betting splits that I saw, Notre Dame's a popular bet, um, and there were a lot of people that uh, were, were going to be on Notre Dame, probably Notre Dame money line as well. So I think they would have preferred a Duke outright win, um, kind of similar to tonight, which we can get to. The books would love a, a Bears outright win. That would, you know, blow up a lot of money line parlays and teasers like that. But, man, I, I'll just say this. Um, thinking back to Sunday Night Football where Patrick Mahomes slides down before scoring the, oh. in the end zone, that's not a bad beat. I, I'm sorry if you had the Chiefs. That's a smart football play. I think Notre Dame-Duke was a, was a bit of a bad beat. Uh, if you had Duke, especially, you know, you, you get the fourth and 16, you get the touchdown when he probably should have taken a knee uh, based off of his coach. I wanted him to score. Uh, and then, you know, the two-point conversion obviously gets it, you know, over the spread. But, you know, I have – in college football, man, uh, I, I know Notre Dame wants to give all the, the you know, trust and, and belief in, in Frater, and I, I hope, you know, for Notre Dame's sake, he turns it around. But I don't know how you can trust the game in his hands down one. If you're tied, okay, fine. But, like, go score. Go get yep. a touchdown in college football, man. You know, I, I, I think back to this is kind of off the, off the radar, and I had a bet on this game. That's why I was watching it so closely. But Boise State, fourth and one from the seven-yard line against Memphis, and they decided to kick a field goal. It's college football, man. It get blocked. It got returned for a score, mm. and it completely flipped the game on its head. I just, I am not in that situation on the road, hostile environment. I am very happy that Hunter Gessame said, <laughs> "I'm going to score this touchdown." It, it was, uh, I think, it was the right move to make, especially with the struggles that Schrader has had recently. Mm. Tim, let me just go back to Notre Dame-Louisville for a second for our listeners. According yep. to DraftKings Sportsbook, Notre Dame is favored by six. I think it's went up a point the last 24, 48 hours. The over-under is 54. I know you have not gone to the window as of yet. Does anything stand out looking at those two lines? Um, you know, the six is kind of begging you to take Notre Dame, um, and you'll see probably the public sentiment on Notre Dame. But it's interesting you know, I've talked to a handful of, you know, handicappers that I trust, and, and they're not looking to take Louisville uh, in this spot. You know, a couple of them took Duke last week, um, but, you know, a couple guys that I trust and you know, respect their opinion, they said, you know, they just felt like this was a, a bad matchup. The only thing working in Louisville's favor is, is the scheduling situation. You know, Louisville has a bit of an extra day, right, because they played a Friday night game, um, but – if anything, I would, I would lean a little bit towards the under. I loved the under last week. I, I just thought that was going to be a dead under game. Louisville, really all they have is explosives. And I do think Jeff Brom, knowing his pedigree, he's going to have some trick plays. He's going to have some unique wrinkles in what will be an absolutely raucous environment, kind of the indoctrination, if you will, of, uh, you know, the, uh, the beloved son, Jeff Brom, coming back home. Like, this is why we hire Jeff Brom. So, look, the place is going to be on fire. There's no doubt. I just have my questions about Louisville. Like, who are they, right? Could they win this game? Of course, it's college football. And the point spread is not outrageous. It's not 21 points. But, you know, let's, 
let's dive in a little bit, right? You, you hold on for dear life in a neutral site game against Georgia Tech, who just got boat raced by Bowling Green. You lost to Indiana. You beat Indiana with a goal line stand at Lucas Oil Field, and Indiana just got destroyed by Maryland. Do I like Maryland? They're pretty They fired their offensive coordinator abruptly after. They put it on Boston College, the same Boston College team that, you know, lost to Northern Illinois and barely beat FCS Holy Cross. So it's like, who, who is this team? We have a common data point. It's NC State. And while at Notre Dame kind of pulled away late, I mean, Louisville was life and death, and there were some bad picks by Jack Plummer. So I'm hoping that Notre Dame's defense comes ready to play, kind of puts it on them like we've seen in the past, eliminates the run game. And, look, there might be an explosive player too, but, boy, I'll tell you what, Darren, this team, and it's, it's not going to happen, but, boy, wouldn't it be nice to be able to get some of these guys out in the fourth quarter. I very highly doubt it'll happen, but more, boy, to get some rest for these guys going into USC would be so ideal. Beeson's hmm. Tim Murray is my guest on WSBT Radio. Tonight we've got some NFL Thursday night action. Your Washington Commanders are taking on a football team that has a lot of fans in my listening audience, the Chicago Bears. And according to DraftKings Sportsbook, commanders favored by six over under 44 and a half. Can I use a phrase you just said? It sure seems like somebody is wanting you to take the commanders because the Bears, there's nothing good to think about them. It's hard to bet on the Bears right now. And six just seems like an odd number. As I like to say, be careful. Yeah. And I know you've got a lot of Bear fans out there, so they might think this team stinks. I, I use the phrase on my show a lot, stinky line. This line <laughs> is stinky. It is begging you to take the Washington Commanders. And, you know, talking to a couple odds makers, this thing did touch seven earlier in the week, and sharp action came in on the Chicago Bears. Believe it or not, even though the Bears, all four of their games had gone over the total there, and there was actually sharp action on the under earlier this week from 45 down to 44 and a half. So – I made a prediction. I'm doing a show in Washington, D.C., and uh, I just made a prediction that Washington wins 24-19. to 19. You talk about the ultimate cop-out of a prediction that is just slightly under and a slight cover for the Bears. But I think this one, for Bear fans, whether – you know, I'd be curious, Darren, because I think Bear fans might want to go all in 17 so they can get Caleb Williams, to be honest. But, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I think this is uh, a much closer – than uh, people expect, and as Lee Corso used to say, right, closer than the experts think. So I think <laughs> I think the Bears are live in this spot tonight at FedEx Field, and I think it's it's close. I had the Texans plus three against the Steelers last week, and that felt stinky and it smelled. But you know, at the end of the day, it it smelled really good as the the Texans hammered Pittsburgh. I want to ask you one more question, really quick, Tim. And this is just a hypothetical, and and you can fix my comment a little bit but if the public just for example there's a, a 10 million dollar handle of public bets on a game but then a a, a shark comes in and, and puts 350,000 on the other side does the 350,000 have a better chance to move the line than the 10 million do you know what I'm getting at totally no it's a fair question and I don't know if we're getting the millions if that gets a little okay uh, different but when you're talking about public handle more often than not that doesn't move a line book you know there's a common misconception out there that books want 50 50 action 
They don't. They don't care. If it's 50-50, that's fine. But they're willing to take a stance and have a need and believe in their numbers. Sharp betters shape the market, if that makes sense. They come in. They, move, they can move lines. They, they know who those guys are. They're like, okay, if this better's coming in on the under here, we should respect that he might be a little bit, you know, or his team might, you know, be on to something there. But, no, your average Joe, me, you, your listeners, you know, we might be throwing down a lot of money, but more often than not, that doesn't necessarily, you know, move the line. You know, one of the – probably the only – at least I've been told this – the only really – event where the public money is going to maybe out influence the sharp money is mm-hmm. the Super Bowl. It's just such okay. a highly bet game, obviously biggest bet game of the year. Uh, but more often than not, the sharp money is one that moves the market and the public money is not. And like, you know, for instance, I talked to an odds maker today and he told me bears winning outright would be the best outcome because not only would they cover you know, it would help them eliminate a lot of money line parlays that are going to start tonight with the commanders, teasers that are going to start with the commanders. A lot of people are going to start their NFL betting tonight with the commanders one way or another, whether it be on the spread, just as a money line winner or in a teaser. So I think the books are, would like the, the week to start with, uh, with the Bears outright. Hmm. I saw somewhere that 89% of the bets and 88% of the money is on the Jets minus two at Denver and the line's not moving, which I think is very interesting. <laughs> very interesting. Yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a, there's a lot of lines that make you uh, scratch your chin. <laughs> like, how about the fact that UCLA, unranked UCLA, is a three-point favorite against number 13 Washington State this week? <laughs> Makes you think, doesn't it? Uh-huh. Sure does. He's Tim Murray. Check him out on VEASAN. His primetime show airs weeknights at 6 Eastern time. Again, VEASAN can be found on YouTube TV. Tim, I hope we have a nice, quiet Saturday night. We get to bed early, and the Irish are 6-1. and one. Then we get to have a little more fun next week. Let's make it happen, boys. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's, make, this, uh, let's make this a nice, calm Saturday evening. You bet. Hey, Tim, thank you very much. We'll talk to you next week. All right, Darren. See you, man. That's Tim Murray from VEASAN. Sportsbeat continues next on WSBT. All right, Abby, thank you very much. I'm Darren Pritchett. This is Budweiser's weekday Sportsbeat on WSBT Radio. We do not have Thursday night football tonight. Normally, we bring you Westwood One's coverage of the Thursday night matchup. But tonight, the Bears are playing. So, we're not allowed to carry the game because our sister station, Quality Rock 94.3 FM, they've got you covered. The Bears call as they take on the Washington Commanders in the nation's capital. I believe the pregame coverage is underway right now. Kickoff a little after 8.15 on Quality Rock 94.3 FM. It is well documented, the struggles of the Chicago Bears. How much longer will Matt Eberflus be the head coach of this football team? They are 0-4. Some of the decisions he made late in the matchup with Denver at Soldier Field last Sunday was not a good look. 
Bears had a 28-7 lead in full control of that football game. But then Denver chipped away. A Justin Fields fumble on a sack was picked up and returned for a touchdown, and ultimately Denver would kick a game-winning field goal. And I'm not sure the best team that day won, but on the scoreboard, Broncos 31, Bears 28. The Bears are 0-4. And Justin Fields at least looked better, but let me tell you, as a Bronco fan, there are wide receivers wide open every game. The Denver defense has more holes than Swiss cheese, and I'm not taking everything away from Justin but I'd like to see him do it a couple more weeks in a row because let's remember Miami put up 70 on the Broncos the previous week. An opportunity to take on a Washington team that has a really good pass rush. So the Bears offensive line will be challenged once again. This almost said Redskin, this commander football team so far this year. Well, they got off to a good start. They beat the Cardinals. In the nation's capital, 20-16, to 16, they followed that up with a come-from-behind victory to win at Denver, 35-33. Then they went to Orchard Park and got hammered by the Buffalo Bills, 37-3. And last week, they always seemed to play the Eagles tough, and they did once again in Philadelphia last Sunday. Eagles pulled it out in overtime by a score of 34-31. to 31. It was... A long field goal made by Jake Elliott in overtime. And Washington lost by three. But they showed a lot of good progress once again on offense in this game, taking on that great Eagles defense. Sam Howell, we saw him against the Irish playing for North Carolina. Howell, 29 of 41 against the Eagles for 290 yards and a touchdown. He'll take on a banged-up Bears defense tonight, in particular the secondary They'll use a couple of different running backs, mainly the old Alabama running back, Brian Robinson Jr., 14 carries, 45 yards, and a touchdown last week against the Eagles. We'll see Antonio Gibson as well. Terry McLaurin, very underrated wide receiver in the NFL, 8 for 86 last week against Philadelphia. The good news for the Bears, the Eagles put up some massive numbers against the Washington defense as Jalen Hurts, Threw for 319 yards and two touchdowns. A.J. Brown, a monster game, 9 for 175 and two touchdowns. They've got a lot of great skill. Brown, Devontae Smith, the Heisman Trophy winner from Alabama. Great tight end in Dallas Goddard. DeAndre Swift came over from the Lions. He's picking up the slack there at the running back position. Four catches last week. Also ran for 56 yards and a score. I would imagine that Justin Fields is going to have to pick up some rushing yards in this game with that pass rush, get out of dodge, and get some positive yardage for this offense. This is a tough one. Washington favored by six. I'll make my pick coming up in a moment, but I don't feel strongly about this particular game. But an opportunity for the Bears to get in the win column as they take on Washington Thursday night football in the National Football League. The good news is, Bears fans, if you lose tonight, You don't have to worry about watching your team on Sunday. You get 10 days off, and who knows who the head coach will be when the Bears take the field once again. We'll make some picks on our sports wagering segment coming up next, 647 at Sports Radio 960 WSBT. 
Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 